it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm Richard Serrett. Join me on Strange Planet for in-depth conversations with the world's top paranormal investigators, alien abductees, Bigfoot trackers, monster hunters, time travelers, alternative archaeologists, remote viewers, and more. As I was on the way to Area 51, I was stopping on the side of the road and just taking measurements, and I found this one spot where time slowed down by a fraction of a second. It's not supposed to do that. From the two big categories, animal mutilations and human abductions, you have to conclude that genetic material is being harvested. Well, I reached for a rifle and uh, I, I turned and looked and it was, it was already moving away and it was descending the bluff. Uh, there's no way any human could have went down it. It was probably a 75 degree angle straight down almost. On Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, we're redefining reality. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Do not go any further. Turn around. Go home. I love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 176. Tonight, Andrew and I are going to talk about three things you can learn from investing from Shark Tank. Uh, this is one of Andrew's favorite shows, and we talk about the episodes from time to time, and it's uh, really interesting stuff. So we thought we would share some ideas that uh, Andrew and I have picked up, mostly Andrew, uh, from the show. So, Andrew, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your idea? Yeah, sounds good. So, you know, you were talking about how you were just watching it before we came on. I thought that'd be a fun idea. For those of you who haven't seen Shark Tank, it's a show on CNBC and you have big investors on there, Mark Cuban, Raymond James, this guy, he calls himself Mr. Wonderful. And they have entrepreneurs to come on the show and basically they try to pitch these investors to try to get these investors to give them money as investments for their businesses. And so you'll have all range, all sorts of a range of businesses between people with ideas to people with multi-million dollar businesses looking to get money in order to take them to that next level. And so really, if you think about what investing is, and we talked about this way back in the archives in our Back to the Basics series, which started on episode 42, we talked about how when you buy a stock, what you're really getting is a 
piece of ownership in a business. And as that business grows, it, it deals with all the same market forces as the businesses that you see on Shark Tank or your local small business. It's it's all business, and and the language of business is the language of business. So, I think I've kind of picked up. It's it's been something I've I've liked to have on the in the background, or you know, like to watch for fun, and kind of notice. Hey, there's there's some good stuff in here, so maybe we can we can share it. For first and foremost, you know, Mister Wonderful is by far my favorite character. He's just he's he's. The best way to describe him would be he's just a character. He's funny. And I think a lot of the, the way that he looks at businesses is similar to the way I look at them. So he mentions a priority first and foremost on dividends. I saw on CNBC on a different show he was on there and they were talking about Disney's dividend. And it was a couple months ago when there was an activist investor who was pushing the company to stop paying their dividends so they could focus more cash towards a growing business such as Disney Plus. So Mr. Wonderful being an investor who understands that the basics of an investment are to get cash flow from your investments. You know, you could buy all sorts of things as investments. You could buy art paintings, you could buy baseball trading cards, you could buy Bitcoin, you could buy anything really that trades in the market. And if that thing that you buy rises in price and you sell it, you can make a profit. And that's something that's thought of as investing. But in reality, a good investment is one that puts your money to work. And really, that's that's the, the basics of investing. It's the basics of buying dividend stocks is is you're putting that money to work and as that money goes to work you know we can only work maybe 9 to 5 some of us work 10 12 hours but money can work 24/7 and as it is used in the business it can create cash flows over time and that's really what investing is all about it's about creating cash flows making those cash flows grow in the future having that cash flow build more cash flow and really working off of compound interest. And so I think it's very easy to lose sight of the importance of dividends. I, For sure, I do that from time to time. But it, I think a, a great lesson to be learned is how dividends work and how they can be such a crucial part of investments and how if somebody pulls a dividend away, that it's it's something that causes you to pause and think, is this really aligned with what my long-term goals are? And so when you look at investments and you look at trying to maximize the compounding that you can get and not maximizing the compounding from like, well, I'm going to buy Amazon at the IPO and sell it when it's trading at a trillion dollars of market cap. We can all say that about all sorts of stocks. But if you want to talk about investing money safely, reliably, consistently, then you really have to think about building money slowly, doing it from compounding. And the best way to do that is with dividends. It absolutely is. And one thing that I guess I'm always curious about, why do you think dividends gets a a bad rap? But maybe that's maybe not the right way of putting it. It feels sometimes like people associate dividends as kind of 
from the age of the dinosaurs. Do you feel like that sometimes? Yeah, I do. And I've, you know, I've seen emails where people either imply it, you know, they won't say it outright or, or they will be upfront and just say, I don't understand why you care about one or 2%. And, and, and it really, it's not about the one or 2% that you get at any given time. That's not what we care about when it comes to dividends. What you care about with dividends is the fact that dividend stocks can become compounding machines and they create something that can be basically like a triple compounding factor for whatever reason, I'm getting a picture in my head of like an atom, you know, like a, a real sciencey atom with electrons and having multiple rings. And you can think of your compounding in that way. It, it, it's all it, the way that it can work if it's done correctly. And if you pick the right stocks to do it with and you reinvest your dividends, it can spread like a fire. You know, if you think about the way a fire spreads, it doesn't do it linearly. Like, a fire doesn't go and say, well, I'm going to burn this foot in one second, and then the next second, I'm going to burn another foot, and then the next time I'm going to burn another foot. No, when a fire spreads, it really like accelerates. And so as it multiplies, it's growing on top of itself, and that's really how compounding works. So let me give an example. If you had, say you had like $100 and you got, $2 from a dividend a year on that. whoop de doo it's 2%. But that's going to grow over time. And so what a good company does is they grow their dividend. Maybe it's 10% a year. So maybe that first year, you're only getting like $2. Then the next year, maybe you get 10% of that. So it's $220. Next year after that, uh, $22 plus $220. And that goes on and on and on. And so it's not that you're getting... A two dollar dividend, two dollar dividend, two dollar dividend. What you're getting is this expanding funnel, and and it's multiplying like fire does. And so that ten percent from last year is growing ten percent from the year before, which was growing ten percent from the year before, and so it expands like a balloon. When so that's just the dividend itself that's coming from a company, and then you also have the fact that as you receive these dividends, you can funnel it back into the fire yourself, and that creates. A double compounding effect, and so not only is the company growing dividends, and and that's compounding on itself, but you're also reinvesting those dividends, and those give you more and more of the company. So you're getting a bigger and bigger ownership stake, and so as you get more and more shares, you're getting bigger dividends. So if you had one share this year, and then you had five. Okay, that's maybe an extreme jump. Okay, let's say you had 10 shares this year. Maybe in five years, you have 11 shares. Then that's 11 shares of dividends and not 10. And so over time, that grows too. And then you have the fact that the company within itself, in order to pay those growing dividends, they've also grown their profits over time. And so those profits also grow on themselves. And a lot of good companies will take their profits and they'll buy they'll buy back shares. And so what that does is it's almost like a drip on its own where you're getting a bigger and bigger piece of the pie as they buy back shares. And it's great for the company too, because as the number of shares shrink, then that's less dollars they have to pay to maintain the same dividend. So you really, and and you know that increases the earnings per share as well, because the shares are shrinking, but the earnings are the same, but it 
that would increase earnings per share. So you have all these like wonderful things like an atom with electrons all around it, all working together to grow your wealth. And I really don't know where else, whether that's in real estate or other places of the stock market, I don't know where else you can get that kind of a compounding effect from something as simple as a small dividend over a long time span, letting compound interest do its work and dripping that dividend that you receive to really maximize that return potential. Yeah, that is a, that's that's a great point and it's a great analogy and that's one of the many 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 things that I, I love about dividends and I, I guess just thinking of it from a simple viewpoint, if you're going to buy the company anyway, getting the the dividend is just that added bonus of of investing in that company and I I just think that that's something that you just need to take advantage of and even if it's a company that you uh, i don't know if it's a, if it's a company that you really really like and they pay you a dividend on top of that you know that's just like frosting on the cake and studies have shown that over the last 80 to 100 years when you look at the returns that the stock market has has provided it's in the 9 to 10% range over that time period and i want to say that two to three percent of that is from dividends so if you remove that component of investing over all that period of time that's all that kind of money that you would not have been able to compound over that time and i think one of the things that really is a very strong i guess indicator of how powerful something like compounding interest can be warren buffett over the last, I guess, 10, 15 years of his 50 plus year investing career is really where he's made the majority of his wealth simply for the fact of compounding doing its work. Uh, he wasn't really a gozillionaire until just recently, actually. Uh, he wasn't as fabulously wealthy 50 years ago as he is now. And a lot of that stems from the fact that he's benefited from from all the dividend reinvestment as well as just the compounding of all the companies that he's held for all those many, many, many years. So there are fantastic uh, benefits that can be gathered from dividends uh, for sure. So uh, Andrew definitely knows what he's talking about there. So uh, what's, uh, what's idea number two? Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. Is my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. 
Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Yeah, so point number two would be know your competition. This is something I've seen several times throughout the show where new entrepreneurs will come in with their new ideas, but they'll have if you you come into a market where there's a big player and you have a tough hill to climb, it can be very hard to climb that even if you have the best product in the world. And so a lot of sharks will choose not to invest in them. So I've seen entrepreneurs with shaving companies or entrepreneurs with drink companies that would compete, like the soft drink company would compete with like a Coca-Cola or a shaving company would compete with Gillette. And so these are really established businesses. And you'll hear the sharks say sometimes, if you really understood how hard it is to get the distribution in place to to try to compete against one of these guys. I've heard from another show in another context where they mentioned, you know, if you really succeed in this business, then once you reach a billion or not a billion, a million dollars in revenue, then the leaders in the space are just going to buy you out. And you'll be lucky if they buy you out. Worst case, they'll they'll squeeze you out. So these are the type of things that you'll hear from time to time on the show. And you do see it in the investing world as well. And so I think as you look at investments, it's important to take that kind of an entrepreneurial approach. I think it's it's obvious in in the entrepreneur space because people talk about, you know, what's out there. You always do market research when you're when you're about to launch a new product. Well, as investors, aren't you doing market research when you're looking at the company you want to invest in too? So it's something I didn't focus on much when I was first starting out. I wish I started sooner. But really knowing your competitors, knowing what the market is, doing that market research so you really get a good sense of where the company that you're looking at investing in how, you know, what it has to face, who its competitors are, how that market is growing. Those are all huge things that can really determine the success of a company. And you know, you're never going to know for sure, but um, if you can increase your chances of, of putting yourself in companies that are set up for success, 
then I think that can go a long way towards helping you pick the best businesses. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic advice. And frankly, that is one of the things I think is most underappreciated when we're talking about investing and knowing who the company is competing against. Sometimes it's, it's, it's obvious. You think about Coca-Cola, uh, the first name that rises to your mind is Pepsi. You think of McDonald's, you think of Burger King. Uh, you think of Starbucks and well, maybe that's not the best analogy, but, uh, Duncan. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Coming to the rescue. Uh, so when you think about competition and think about the company that you're getting involved, involved with, because when you invest your money, make no bones about it, you are getting involved with them and you're buying that part of the business. Part of, of thinking about that is, is embracing what Andrew was talking about, thinking about, what space are they competing in? Who are their competitors? And how do they really stack up? And one of the things that, that Buffett talks a lot about in his uh, shareholder letters, as well as his uh, talks that he gives and has given, is he talks a lot about moats and he talks about competitive advantages. And one of the things that he's really kind of trying to dial in is looking for advantages that the company that you're buying has in their particular space, whatever that may be. Uh, it could be a technological edge. It could be a distribution edge. It could be they have superior product over everybody else. There's lots of different avenues and ways that you can think about that. And it's really easy to look at a company and think about the strength that that company has, especially when they're big players. When you think about Amazon, for example, Amazon has several different competitive advantages over their competitors in the fact that they have a huge size, they have distribution abilities that can beat everybody else. And then you think about the the technical part of it, when you think about the uh, the the AWS, their their server part of it, the cloud, they have huge advantages over their competitors in that realm. And so under all that umbrella, uh, Amazon sits over all those properties, if you will, and they it helps them be a successful business. But if, if you're going to buy a business that's going to compete against Amazon, then you have to think about some of those competitions that they're going against and how can that company fit in that market. It doesn't necessarily always have to be that the company is going to beat Amazon. It could be that that company may have a particular niche or a particular type of entity or or a style of business or a service, something that Amazon maybe does, but maybe doesn't do as well. And so that company can be successful in that niche, even though they're not necessarily as powerful as Amazon is. And sometimes it, it can be direct competition. You know, Walmart is definitely trying to take on Amazon in the retail space because that's where Walmart lives. And so with some of their latest concoctions of you know a prime type of service and they're looking at drones and some of the different things that they've been doing recently they've really stepped up their game as far as online retail and all those things have helped walmart do really well especially over the last six to seven months because of that they definitely compete directly against amazon but there may be other companies out there that don't compete as closely and 
have a different niche. But I guess the bottom line of all this of what I'm trying to say is when you're looking at buying a company, one of the things that you should ask yourself is what area does this company play in and who are the other people that they're playing with and how do they fit into that? Uh, you think about car dealers and the people that are making vehicles. Tesla right now has the competitive edge as being one of the main electric car producers, but there are a lot of other car companies out there and there's a lot of other car companies that are starting to make electric vehicles as part of their product mix. And as those become more and more popular, it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out. Is Tesla going to be able to remain as the market leader in that space or are they going to lose part of their market share. And so when you're investing in GM or Ford, you have to think about how do they fit into that and where are they going to go down the road? Uh, You can have all the answers, probably not, but the easiest way to do that is to just, I guess, think sometimes logically about it. Uh, Google is our friend, do lots and lots of research and talk to people. Talk to your friends, talk to other people. You can even send Andrew and I questions and we'll, you know, see if there's ways that we can help you with those things. There's lots of different avenues, but uh, Andrew is right on the money about the competition. That is a very, very important thing and it's not talked about enough. So uh, I guess with that, let's talk about number three. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. Yeah, not really a, a groundbreaking thing. Just know your accounting. You know, Warren Buffett talks about, to quote him for the umpteenth time, he talks about how for him, accounting is like breathing. And when I watch the show, you know, obviously they're they're going to talk about how much money do you want to invest? You know, what percent of the company do you want? But, you know, they'll also talk about things like gross margins or operating margin or, you know, churn if it's a subscription business. These are all things you'll notice if you watch the show and notice some trends. The the entrepreneurs who tend to get deals with the sharks are the ones who know these numbers like the back of their hand. That's because they're working in the business. They they know what they're doing. So as an investor, you have to know your numbers too. You could have a great business, but if you pay too much for that business, it's probably not going to be a good investment. You could have a business that you think looks good because you see the, its name everywhere. But if you dig into the, the books and you find out that, wow, this company has a lot of debt or wow, I didn't know this company was losing money. Wow, I didn't realize this company is shrinking in size, even though it seems like they're doing so well. These are all things that you can find out by learning accounting. And it's something that we really strive to try to do with the podcast, with the blogs that we write, is try to try to learn about the accounting and understand it's not something you learn from day one. I think I struggle really with, with not trying to vomit too much accounting out on the podcast. Because as a beginner, it could be like telling somebody how to run a marathon when you don't even know how to walk. But just you know, taking steps and learning it over time, it's something you can figure out if if you do put your mind to it. But you, I think you do have to put your mind to it if if you do want to learn about how the businesses work. I totally agree, and that is an area that uh, I have worked on very very hard since I started really getting into investing. And 
I felt like from the get go that that was an area that I was going to struggle with because I didn't go to college and I didn't get a finance degree. Uh, I did go to college, but I didn't get a finance degree. But uh, um, my point being is that I, I realized after starting to read through different documents that accounting was going to be a different language. And it was something that I needed to embrace if it was going to continue down this path. And so I, I just started kind of chipping away at it. And I, I always like to think about learning things like eating a pizza. As much as we're starving for that pizza, we can't eat the whole thing all at once. At least I can't. <laughs> and the easiest way for me to do those kinds of things is to eat eat the pizza piece by piece. So work on one piece and work your way around the pie. And I think the same, same kind of thing applies with accounting and learning how to learn the language of business. And that's really what accounting is, is it's the language of business. And it doesn't mean that you have to become an accountant and understand every nuance of everything, but it does mean that you do have to understand some of the general principles of how accounting works and a credit and a debit and understanding that money coming in can sometimes equal money going out, but it can also meet money staying behind and what, how that all works on itself and thinking about the different financial statements and how they are connected and how they impact the business and the decisions that the management makes in regards to the money that it makes. And like Andrew was saying, if you, if you are investing in a company, you need to understand where the money is coming from and where it kind of sits in relation with all the other competitors and thinking about the shrinking of the business or seeing that revenues, for example, if you look at a longer time period and you see that they've actually gone down over the last six or seven years, and those would be questions you'd want to ask yourself. Do I, am I buying a business that's maybe on the end of their life cycle and what it does when you're looking at these things is it helps you get a bigger picture of where the business is in their life cycle and how they're actually performing. Obviously, we all want to see businesses that are starting with revenues lower and going up and to the right at all times, but that's not always going to happen. You're going to have bumps in the road. You're going to have little down years and blips and this kind of thing. And I mean, think about how this year is all shaped out for 2020. Uh, it's definitely going to go into the record books as an asterisk for sure. Uh, when everybody looks back in 10, 15 years and, and sees what happened with the companies and, and everything in this year, it's obviously there. Most of them are going to look not so great. And most people, if they aren't familiar with what happened in 2020, might just kind of look and go, Oh, what happened there? But obviously, we're all living through it, so we all, all know what's going on. But I guess the point I'm trying to make with all that is, Andrew, uh, one of the things that uh, uh, Vitaly writes a lot about recently has been about some of the dead money with some of these companies. And if you're not if you're not looking at the numbers of of a company, you could be buying dead money. And I, when I talk about dead money, what that really means is you're investing in a company that really isn't going anywhere. And 
a company that springs to mind right away is IBM. Uh, it's nobody would say it's a bad company, but at one point it was a market leader, and now it's not. And because of that, it's maybe not the greatest investment, and I think that's why it's struggled uh, because there's hasn't been a lot of growth in the company. And because of that, if you invest, a common phrase is if you invest ten thousand dollars, it'll be worth x amount this many years later and if you invested ten thousand dollars in ibm five years from now it might be worth ten thousand and one or it might be worth nine hundred ninety nine thousand dollars it's just it hasn't really done much and those are the kinds of situations that we want to avoid and ways that you can avoid that is by looking at some of the financials that Andrew and I have talked about. Now, again, you don't have to be an accountant. You don't have to be expert on all this stuff, but there are ways that you can learn some basics about some of the numbers and some of the things that you can look for, common ratios that can help give you an idea of where the company is and how they're doing. And all those things, as you start to use them more, they start to become more familiar and you'll start to feel more comfortable using them. And to use the earlier analogy of dividends, your knowledge is going to compound on itself as well. And the more that you do it, the more you're going to understand it and the more you're going to feel comfortable with it. Like Andrew was talking about running a marathon. If you're, if you're just learning to walk and then you try to run a marathon, it's going to be a struggle. But if you learn how to walk and then you learn how to jog and then you learn how to run, then obviously running a marathon will be more within your capabilities. So uh, when you're trying to learn how to do all this stuff, I'm I'm weird and I like to dive deep, dive into the deep end, but not everybody does and I'm not suggesting you do that for everybody, but if this is something that you want to embrace and learn more about, uh there's a bazillion resources out there. Andrew and I have spent a lot of time writing a lot of great blog posts about different aspects of accounting. So there's lots of great stuff on our website. And obviously the podcast that we've been talking about, you go back to our beginner series at episode 42 and listen to some of those beginner series. Those are great resources to help you learn some of the basics and kind of start from there. But just remember, you have to walk before you run and it is definitely something you can do. And if it, if it is something of interest of you, I strongly encourage you to, to take a little bit of time and just start hacking away at it. Uh, my grandmother used to have this great saying when I was a kid that I didn't really appreciate until I was older, but she used to say that water dripping on a stone eventually makes an impression. And I thought that was so appropriate. And I think that's the greatest way to think about persevering and working on the things that you want to get better at. And I know for me, that's something that I've applied to my whole life and it's really helped me be successful at whatever measure uh, you want to account that for, uh, for my life. And I would strongly encourage you guys to keep, keep doing what you're doing. Love it. All right, folks. Well, that is going to wrap up our conversation for this evening. Uh, Thank you guys for taking the time to listen. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation about the shark tank. Uh, if you have not checked it out before, t- check it out. It's actually really interesting. It's very entertaining. And Mr. Wonderful is actually my favorite character as well. He's, uh, he's a character. That's probably the best way to describe him. Uh, it's, it's, he's definitely worth the watch. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety. Emphasis on the safety. Have a great week. We'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. 
Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.